Welcome to Edgemont Bible Church in Fairview Heights, Illinois, where our mission is to glorify God by guiding people into a discipleship relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to today's message by our pastor, Douglas A. White. Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard, his feet were like the feet of a bear, his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his, his power, his throne, and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. Well, let's take this apart, shall we? Let's take a look at this just a, a verse by verse. I, I want you to understand this. In order for anyone to understand the Bible, you need as best you can to put yourself back in that time. You, you, you can't take our current times and shove them back and make that your understanding of what's going on. We live in a world that doesn't appreciate the supernatural very much. We, we um, over the years and time, we have tried to eliminate the supernatural from as much as we can. Matter of fact, the supernatural, we often count as superstitious. We don't count it as important. I'm telling you that at the time Paul was, Paul was alive, at the time John was alive, at the time Jesus was alive, even prior to that, in that what's termed the Second Temple Judaism and First Century Judaism, during that time there was a great deal of supernatural understanding. They understood there were spirits. They understood that there was, I mean, they, they could see spirits. Uh, working in people. They could see some of their children had spirits. Some of, some of the other people had spirits. They lived in a very supernatural world. We don't. We live in a world that we've tried to explain away so mechanically and so naturally all the time that it, it doesn't seem to have it. We're reading today, kids, about things that are real. This is not a comic strip that, that uh, Marvel has created. This is real stuff that John saw as very real, and it is supernatural. It's beyond our understanding. It's not what we would normally see. But John saw it, and John understood the supernatural power that's going on with this. I want you to understand the future isn't simply about people. The future is the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth in a conflict with each other. There is a conflict going on in the kingdom of heaven in our readings we have here. There's a conflict going on in the kingdom of earth. There are people not liking each other. Matter of fact, let's go back just for a moment to where that first seal was open. I'd like you to go back there with me if you would. That is going to be in chapter 6. Yeah, chapter 6, please. Now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. What we tried to share with you, that's not a person. That's writing about a spirit that's doing something. This is a spirit that's going out with a bow with no ammunition. How are you going to conquer if you've got only the bow and no arrows? You've got to have the arrows if you're going to do any conquering, unless this isn't about weaponry. 
It's about the way in which this conqueror is going to do things. This conqueror is going to do what he does by deceit, by propaganda, by fear, by intimidation. You can conquer a lot of things if you can get it scared. I, I, I remember when the, there was a hawk. We, we had some chickens. And that hawk wanted lunch. I didn't want him to have lunch. But I recognized this. He gave out this cry. And as soon as he did, everything froze. I mean, it just froze. You think, move. Didn't you hear that? That was like a siren that went off, dude. Get out of the way. But he gives that cry to cause everything to stand still. They're not going to move. They recognize if they move, you see them. But he gives that cry, and then he's on it. Just as soon as he sees them stop. Gotcha. And he conquered my chickens. Right through his little fear and intimidation, because after the fear and intimidation came the talons and the beak. You can defeat many enemies through propaganda, fear, intimidation, and that's what that one's going to do. But I want you to turn around and look, please, because the next seal, he said this. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, come and see. Another horse, fiery red, went out. It was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth, that people should kill one another, and there was given him a great sword. So how are they going to do it? Look, he doesn't have to do anything. All he has to do is be fearful, give them fear, and then give them hatred for each other. They'll finish the task. Listen, we, we can say the devil made me do it, and that would be a, a wrong statement. All the devil does is suggest things to you, and then he knows that your flesh will finish the job. He doesn't have to do anything else. If, you, if he can in, inflame you enough to hate somebody else, if he can inflame you enough to be bitter, if he can inflame you enough to be scared enough that you need to take out somebody, then he doesn't have to do a thing. You'll take him out. You'll get involved in it. That's what he's doing here. Everybody see where we're coming from? So I want, to, I want to just get the picture here. I'm not saying there's not killing and death going on. There definitely is. But it's being done primarily through people killing each other, being stirred up in ethnic hatred, being stirred up in a way to be intimidated, fearful, and worried about things. Following that, of course, with any, you're not going to have those kind of things take place, uh, those kind of wars and those kind of killings going on without disrupting the whole food cycle. And when you disrupt the food cycle, when people can't get to their field to grow anything, or if you do like the Midianites like to do, the Midianites used to ride into Israel. They would take Israel's food. They'd get enough for themselves and then set the fields on fire. There was nothing left for the Israelites to eat. So they'd have to replant and hope that there was enough growing season left that they'd get something from it. Many times they did not, so it devastated Israel. You follow that? That is a standard war practice everywhere. Get it where people can't have it. So the next thing you're going to have is famine, a famine that can't be stopped because whether you like it or not, food works in cycles. It's got to have growth cycles to get there, and it's got to have transportation to get it there. I'm just telling you, kids, keep your eye on what's going on with food. There's a lot of things happening with food that are very dangerous right now, okay? So if you get the picture of what's going on there, of what this is all about, what we're going to see in this beast is a supernatural being that John actually saw. 
this thing came up and it's going to do something supernaturally that's going to take advantage of all the stuff we've just been talking about. All right, so let's take a look at it this way. He rises up out of the sea or the bottomless pit, the abyss. Get this, this is not a human, but it is a union of principalities, the seed of Satan to rule the earth. If you can get, follow with me here, each head is a principality. Each of these heads, it's got seven heads. This being is a beast that has seven principalities attached to it. And it just uh, it happens that we can, we can make an identity on those in just a little while here, but I just want you to get the picture there. This is the seed of Satan. How do I know this? Look back at, at chapter 12, just for a moment, verse 3. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his head. So what he's going to do is create a being or have a being that is just like him. It's the image of who he is. All right. Now let's see if we can uh, make that even more. This beast is the image of his father, the dragon. This beast is the image of his father, the dragon. As we just showed you here, the father, this dragon, has seven heads and ten horns. Now, the difference is going to be the seven heads with the dragon, they all had crowns. The seven heads with the beast that comes out of the sea has no crowns on those. He has crowns on the horns. Just a slight difference. We'll get that in just a minute. Now, here's something I want you to get to. Satan is not original with anything. He is a created being, so he's going to do things like he has seen them done. He doesn't create something new. He's going to do things like he's seen them done. He knows what the Scriptures say, that the Father is going to have a son that's in his image, and that the Father's son is going to somehow be a Messiah. So he's going to create an image that's the same thing. He's going to be the father. What was it Satan wanted to do? I want to be like God. So what does he do? He becomes the father that has a son in his image. Now go on further with me. Number three, he will become incarnate as he has in previous kingdoms by taking over a human being. Now, notice the Scriptures just keep calling him a beast, the beast. It does not call him the Antichrist. Why? Because he's not the Antichrist. He's the beast. The Antichrist is a human. And this union of principalities here will take over a human, and that human will be the Antichrist. Everybody follow me? That's what's going to happen here. So when you're looking at this beast, he's not the Antichrist. He is going to be the power of the Antichrist. He's going to take over a human being just as he had in all previous kingdoms. Now, what do I mean by that? Daniel chapter 2, which we looked at some, some quite a bit last week. Daniel chapter 2, there was a dream given. Daniel has this vision. And in that vision, he saw four beasts coming up. The first beast had a, a lion's vision to him. The second beast had a bear's vision to him. The third beast had this a leopard put to him. So when you describe the beast that's coming up out of the bottomless pit, it has uh, the mouth of a lion, it has the paws of a bear, and it has the speed of the leopard. It has the shape of the leopard. 
Why? Because it's all the previous kingdoms put together in one. Everybody follow him at? Each of those kingdoms was a principality that attacked people on earth. The, the Babylonian kingdom took over people on earth. That was the first beast. The second beast was Persia that took over what Babylon had, but extended what Babylon had and took in more people. Alexander the Great comes along, and had he not cut his life short, he probably would have been in Vietnam by the time he ended. That guy was on a way to go through. They're conquering more territory each time. They're taking in more resources each time. They're taking in more people each time. Everybody follow what we're doing? So you have these three who have been working together, and then you have the fourth one who comes in and extends it even more. Rome comes in, and he's extending the empire all the way up into England, all the way through Europe. That was the kingdom he had. That's the fourth beast. Everybody with me? And that's what this guy looks like. Only he's three, four. It's all seven of them are in him. Does that make sense to everybody? All right. Let's, let's go further then. He set up this false narrative. He'll become incarnate as he has in previous kingdoms by taking over a human being. He's now the Antichrist. When, uh, he, he, when he's going to use Babylon, who does he take over? Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar becomes the priest, warrior, king. Everybody follow that? He is led by a principality. He, he said Marduk is fine. I think uh, Bel, uh, not, not Baal, but Bel. He, he worshiped both of the, those. That's the principality that's over Babylon. Everybody with me? That's the Elohim that was assigned to Babylon. That's the God of Babylon. And Nebuchadnezzar is the priest of that. So the whole kingdom is going to look like Nebuchadnezzar, even though it's a beast that's operating it. You're going to have the second beast come along. It's going to be Persia. And that beast is going to be like a bear because of its ferocity, the way that it attacked. But you'd find it in Cyrus. So Cyrus becomes the one we remember most. When it comes to Greece, who are you going to remember most? Alexander. Because there's taking over a human being. I remember reading an account of, of Alexander talking about the, uh, the uh, demonium that took over, took over him and gave him wisdom to know battle plans, the, the demonium. That's the word he used, demons. The demons that came over him to do his attack plans and to do the things that he did. The fourth kingdom was Rome. Who do we think of when you think of Rome first? Julius Caesar. And Julius Caesar was that one. Now, you got all kinds of emperors that are after him and that sort of thing. But that's the fourth beast. And he looks like all of them. So he's coming up out of the sea looking like all of them. Let's go on a little further. He was, is not, and will be the seventh and eighth head or king. Look with me just for a moment at chapter 17, verses 8 and 11. Chapter 17, verses 8 and 11. Again, this is not a human being. This is a spirit uh, that is combined of several spirits. There's a union of these spirits there. And as these spirits are there, attached to that, they are principalities. They are the, <coughs> excuse me, the sons of God. They are the ones who have rebelled against Almighty God. Look at verse 8. The beast that you saw was and is not 
and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. Skip down to verse 11. The beast that was and is not is himself also the eighth and is of the seven and is going to perdition. All right. So you got seven heads there. We'll talk about those seven heads in just a minute. What I want you to see right now is he was, is not, but is coming again. All right. What does that mean? He was. That spirit was in the abyss. The spirit was alive well before John's writing. That spirit's been alive at least as far back as Babylon. And as we find out later, as far back as Egypt. That spirit was alive back then, but he's been in the bottomless pit making appearances from time to time. He'll show up as Egypt. He'll show up as Assyria. He'll show up as Babylon. He'll show up as Persia. He'll show up as Greece. He'll show up as Rome. That's what he's been doing all this time. And each time he does, it's to take a seat back at the back because he knows that once he gets it started, we'll finish it. You follow where we're coming from? All right. So he's, he was, so he was back here. He wasn't in operation right then, but he was going to be out here. He will be the seventh one. And he will be the eighth one. Show you why in just a minute. He'll be the seventh and he'll also be the eighth. Let's go to number five. He is one of many spirits in the abyss who had defied God before and after the flood. Let's go back to, just to remember just for a moment, chapter 9 of Revelation. Chapter 9 of Revelation. Here, chapter 9, verse 1. Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth. To him was given the key to the bottomless pit, and he opened the bottomless pit. Now, let me ask you, where did he come from? He's coming from heaven, right? So he's coming from headquarters. That's God's headquarters. So who is sending this guy? God is sending this guy. So this is God determining these guys are about to get out. Let me go with you further here. He says, he opened the bottomless pit, and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. Then out of the smoke, locusts came upon the earth, and to them was given power as the scorpions in the earth have power. And they were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were not given authority to kill them, but to torment them for five months. I'm going to stop right there. And what they do is not as important as make you see this. They are in the bottomless pit. And they come out of the bottomless pit when God is ready for them. In other words, they're not making their own mind up. They're not saying, bend down here long enough. Let's go do some havoc on earth here. No, no, no. The Father says, come out. I'm ready for you now. Do your thing. And they do it. God is sovereign, kids. So in this supernatural conflict, get the picture. There are battles going on. But God is in charge of the battles. Let me go another step with you here. Spirits are concealed many places. Matter of fact, we knew that uh, from what we read earlier that I think in chapter 9 also shared with us that there were four angels bound at the Euphrates. And they get released also. What? For the day of judgment. 
When God is ready for them to do the judgment he wants done, he gives the key, they are released, they go get the job done that they were supposed to do. All right. So God is in charge. What good does that do you? Here's what good it does you. When you're watching the news and you're wringing your hands wondering what's going on in this world, it's out of control. No, it is not. My father has a goal that doesn't have much to do with just preserving this nation or that nation. My father's goal is to bring back the Lord Jesus Christ here at the time he wants to bring him back, and he's going to give the kingdom to his son. Everything else in between there is just moving the pawns around on the table. This is the goal. Believers, this is the goal. Okay? So don't do this. Look, if things get uncomfortable, and they likely could. Matter of fact, you could die. You could be martyred. The Father has it in control. Why do you think he gave you eternal life? Because things are going to happen to you. You're not going to get out of here alive. And I don't mean this morning. I just mean you're not going to get out of here alive. God has planned already, kids, what he's going to do. He knows he's given the kingdom, and he's picking out a people to be with him in that kingdom, a people who will believe him, a people who will trust him, a people that he seals, and that's you. You're going to be in this kingdom, and he's going to have this kingdom glorious, kids. You are going to live in that glorious kingdom. Well, Enough of that. I don't want to get started on that. That gets me. Well, anyway. Notice it has seven heads with blasphemous names and ten horns with ruling clowns. <laughs> clowns. Ruling crowns. All right. In chapter 17, I think you're probably still there. Let's look just for a moment. The seven heads are mountains. The seven heads are mountains. There's what he says in verse 9. Here's the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. Stop just for a moment. The seven heads are seven mountains upon which the woman sits. Mountains. You want to do a fascinating study? Just open up your concordance and put in the word mountains, mountain, mount, high places, just put it in and see what happens. Those are holy places, kids. Those are holy places. If I said Mount Zion, what would that mean to you? Is that not the place where the temple's going to be? Is that not the place of worship? Mount Zion. If I said Mount Sinai, who gets to go on the mountain Sinai? Only Moses. Everybody else is told, don't touch this mountain. It's a holy mountain. Don't even let your livestock touch this mountain. It's a holy mountain. There are, there are other mountains that if we said them, you'd say, oh yeah, those are, those are whole places. Mount Hermon is one such place. Mount Hermon is the place that is a holy mountain in all of Israel. That's the place where it's believed Jesus was transfigured. And he's transfigured there because it's believed also that that's the place where the original rebellion took place. That when the angels who um, crossbred with human beings 
they came to Mount Hermon and set up their, cat, their headquarters right there, which is why Jesus went right there to be transfigured. That was an announcement to all those who had set up phony headquarters on the earth. I'm announcing the kingdom of God. And that's when they saw him. Matter of fact, just think this over with me for a moment. When they went to the Mount of Transfiguration, something that always bothered me was that Jesus said, there are some standing here among you who shall not taste death till they see the kingdom of God. Wow, okay, that means that Jesus is coming back, I guess, during that time. And yet he takes them up to the mountain and the three of them get to see Jesus as he is. I mean, the veil's removed and now they're seeing Jesus as he is. They see Moses, they see Elijah. That's what they saw. And they went down. They had just seen the kingdom of God. Huh? Because I think of the kingdom as, you know, the land and everything. No, they had seen the kingdom of God as soon as they saw Jesus. Why? Because Nebuchadnezzar is the king of Babylon. Alexander is the king of Greece. The Pharaoh is the king of Egypt. Jesus is the king of the earth. He's the king of the whole thing. So when you see Jesus, you're seeing the kingdom of God. So there were three guys there that never tasted death until they'd seen the kingdom of God. Everybody with me? And he did it on the mount where they had set up false headquarters. Everybody with me on this? This is important. Mountains are so important. So when this, this woman is sitting on these seven mountains, it has let us know that she's sitting on the places where worship has taken place, where authority has taken place, where the temples are taking place. This is where all the false religions of the world have their headquarters. And she's the one who's the... the, the um, the power behind that. I can, no, no, that's not, that's not accurate. Uh, she's the one that's the motivation behind it. The seven heads are seven mountains. The seven heads are also kings or kingdoms. So if you would look at verse 9 again. There are also, or I'm sorry, verse, yeah, verse 9. Here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. And seven, it says in verse 10, there are also seven kings. Five have fallen, one is, and the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must continue a short time. All right, these, there are also kings. Now, let's, let's just follow how this works. A kingdom is the corporate expression of the king. The king is empowered by one or more of the principalities of heaven. These are empires which have opposed Israel. Empires which have opposed Israel. Now, here's what I mean by that. The Bible doesn't talk about the kingdom of China. It doesn't talk about the empire of Britain. It doesn't talk about the empire of India. It talks about the empires that have opposed Israel. Why? Don't forget, Israel is his precious prized person. He married Israel. He chose Israel. And that because that's his wife, whoever messes with his wife is messing with God. China was not messing with Israel. Aztecs were not messing with Israel. The Incas, the Mayans, the Comanches were not messing with Israel. But there were seven who were. 
And here are the seven. The seven are Egypt, put her in bondage. Assyria, spread her all over the place. Babylon, put her in exile. Persia, kept her in exile and let her go free. Greece, brutally treated her. Rome, brutally treated her. You follow where we're coming from? Those are the kingdoms. Five of those, he said, had fallen. Who had fallen? Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Persia, Greece. Those had all fallen. But he said, one is. Who's, who's there at the time John's there? Rome. There's only one more to go, to have the seven heads complete. And with those seven heads, something's going to happen that makes an eighth come up as well. Everybody with me? All right, so let's, let's go on. Verse number three there says, They are Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Persia, Greece, Rome, and the revived Roman Empire. Uh, let me just say this. According to Daniel, the Roman Empire doesn't go away. It stays around. Now, we like to think the Roman Empire ended in, what, uh, four, four something, five something? No, Rome as the capital ended. But the empire didn't. Matter of fact, the empire came back again with Charlemagne as he uh, declared himself to be the Holy Roman Emperor. It showed up again in the 1940s, 1930s. It became the Third Reich, the Third Roman Empire. You follow what I'm saying? In other words, Rome as an empire never died. It has 10 pieces to it, but it's never died. Matter of fact, I saw just the other day, this is fantastic. A person sent me an article from the, um, a magazine, I think called Financial Times. And in that was an interview, or I, I should say a, uh, when a person has a conference, a, a press, press conference, okay? Press conference with Boris Johnson, the president or the prime minister of England. And his statement was, we have had a wonderful meeting here this week. I've been having a wonderful time with uh, uh, Prime Minister Macron, Macron, Macron. I've had a wonderful time with him. And we've, we've determined this. Nothing's going to happen really well until we bring back the Roman Empire. I stopped a minute, looked at it again, said, what? Yeah, we need to bring back the Roman Empire. He's talking about bringing in Turkey and Greece. And he's talking about really the Roman Empire. That empire is going to be revitalized. And it's this beast that's doing that. And he's going to empower a human being to be the human expression of that on the earth. That one will be the Antichrist. Everybody with, see where we're coming from? That's what you should keep your eyes on, kids, because that is what's happening. Right? That's the kind of things that are going on. Let me go on further. Um, go to the second page there. He is the combined appearance of the beasts who had come before him as seen as Daniel 7. He's the full expression of those beasts. He only had to show up once to be the, the Babylon. He had to show up then to be the Persian one. Is it because they're opposed to each other? No, they're taking in more land. They're taking in more people. They're taking in more resources. So they just kept conquering more and more. So they just took more on. All right. Number two. They have been his periodic appearances, those heads have been his periodic appearances as he rose to destroy and ensnare the people of God, take the land of God that, that God had given to them, and eliminate the word of God from earth. That's the goal. 
That's what they're after. If I can just remind you, the thief has come but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And he is definitely dead set opposed to the word of God being on earth. Um, Whether each succeeding head or beast got more land, more resources, more people, they were brought under the foot of the beast. As long as there are people who love freedom, they cannot complete the goal of one one world ideology of totalitarianism. So as long as you have people of freedom, there will always be resistance to this totalitarian way of doing it. You can't be, friends. That's why we're trying to let you know on Wednesday night, don't believe lies. Don't live lies. Don't keep agreeing with these guys because they're not telling you the truth. Live the truth of what God is saying is the future. Live the truth of that. Let me go on to number three. He, like the other spirits in prison, are called forth from their captivity by God for judgment. Judgment of what? Judgment of unbelievers. Remember back when the, the locusts were released? Who gets judged of that? You can hurt people. You can't kill people. But you can hurt people. And only It has to be those who don't have the mark of God. So they're going to be judging the unbelievers, okay? The second group they're going to be judging is his disobedient people. His disobedient people. And then they'll wind up being their own judgment because their mission will be a self-destructive mission. All right. Get the picture. God is sovereign. These things are happening at God's permission, at God's plan for God's time. Letter D. He's empowered, enthroned, and authorized by the dragon. That's what chapter 13 had said, that the dragon is the one who gives him his power. The dragon is the one who gives him his authority. The dragon is the one who gives him his throne. Letter E. One of his heads looks mortally wounded, yet healed. He appears to have a resurrection. First thing we need to say, the heads are what? Mountains. And as mountains, they are places of of worship. They are places of authority. They are empires, if you would. And the, the wounded head is an empire that was destroyed, yet is revived and living again. So if I can't. We had the beasts that came all the way up. Here's Rome. This is where Christ is. We've got all of time that's up to here. This is where Christ dies on the cross. And Rome is still the authority in that world. And Rome is going to continue to be the authority all the way up to here. And then Rome is going to look like it loses its power. But instead of Rome, is going to rise up the French Empire, the British Empire, the Spanish Empire. All of those empires are going to rise up that are still a part of what Rome is. Sometime we'll go into the history of how all that works. It's fascinating, okay? But anyway, you come up to this point right here. Then it looks like the Roman, the Roman Empire is done. But right here, before this tribulation thing gets started, It's going to be fully revived. And the head of it will be that Antichrist. Everybody see where we're coming from? That's where this is going. All right. Let's finish a couple other things here. The head is also a king that will be killed and raised again. So if you're going to have a kingdom that looks like it's been killed and raised again, then the authority of that kingdom is going to have to be killed and raised again. Now, remember, this guy is the seventh head. Someone is going to assassinate him. Someone's going to take him out. But if he's actually going to be the Messiah, 
if he's going to be the one who's supposed to fulfill Scripture, what has to happen to the assassinated king? He's got to have a resurrection. So what will that make him? Number eight. Because he's resurrected, he's the eighth king also. Everybody follow that? So that's what you've got working here. That's what he's seeing for us here. So he's the number eight. And that, that death that takes place there, that assassination and resurrection, that's in the middle of the tribulation. Number three in your outline, that's in the middle of the tribulation. He will have 42 months of his short empire left. So here in the middle of the tribulation, he's finished all his conquests. He's come in. He sets himself up in the temple. He declares himself to be God. That's going to be easy to accept if you've just been shot. Your head is wounded, and now you're alive again. Will it not be easy to say, I am God, worship me? That's going to take place right here. At the same time that's going on here, what's been going on in heaven? Been having a war going on up there. And Michael has just put the hurt on the adversary. And now he is angry, kicked out of heaven. He's coming down. He's going to become the power behind this resurrected um, Antichrist. And they're both, for the next 42 months, going to pursue Israel, going to pursue believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, going to pursue them, and there will be a deadly deadly time taking place. Lots of persecution, lots of martyrdom going on then. And at the same time, that's going on. Yep. You got something going on in heaven. What's going on in heaven? Seven bowls are being poured out. And as those seven bowls are being poured out, do you see why Jesus said, if it had not been that God cut the time short, nobody would be left alive? You have the adversary killing all kinds of people. You have the bowls of wrath killing all kinds of people. You got life being destroyed here. If God hadn't cut that time short by the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, nothing would be left living on this planet. That's the future, guys. Let me close it up here. He'll speak blasphemies and horrible things, including declaring himself to be God in the temple of Jerusalem. He'll be given authority to war against the, the saints, and he will overcome them. He will be the world emperor. He'll be the world emperor. Now, look, we are a people who must get back to the supernatural. We must, we must be a people who understand there really is another world going on at the same time mine is. And it's got some potent stuff going on in it. We should be looking to see signs in the stars, the moon, heavens. We should be looking for that because that's a part of the signs of the end time. We should be looking to see that. There's a shakeup going on in the heavens, kids. Keep your eyes open on that, all right? Today would be a great day to trust in Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. If you have not trusted in him, please know Everything we're talking about here is a real scenario. This really is going to happen. It's a few years from now. Could be right away. I don't know how long it's going to be, but I do know this. Whether it's miles away or it's, you don't know what you have. You might pass away this afternoon. You don't know what you have. Now is the perfect time to put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. He loves you. He cared for you. He's died for you on the cross to pay for your life. 
He's given you by the resurrection a brand new life. Today is the day to rely on God's grace, His mercy, His love, and come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, thank you so much for who Jesus is. Thank you so much for the love of God that's already in our hearts. We ask that in Jesus' name, you'll minister to us the grace that we need to believe the Lord Jesus Christ. Grant to us that living faith, and we'll give you praise for it all in Jesus' name. God has called us to be a special people. He is creating a whole new thing. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. He is making us new, kids. Let's get a part of that. Let's abide in Christ. Let's let his word abide in us. Let's keep that word richly going in us and become the people of God that we need to be to a world that is lost without him. Let's look the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for the life that he's given to us. Thank you so much for the forgiveness that's found in him. Father, please don't let anyone leave here without knowing they're fully forgiven, without knowing they're fully accepted, without knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Thank you for what you're doing. We ask just now that you let the Word of God continue to grow all throughout the Metro East and save lives. We'll thank you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope God has encouraged you with today's message by Pastor White. Thank you for joining us at the Edgemont Bible Church. We'd love to have you visit us if you're ever in the area. For directions, more information, or to support the ministry of Edgemont Bible Church, please go to our website at edgemontbiblechurch.org. That's edgemontbiblechurch, all one word, dot org. You can also follow us on Facebook at Edgemont Bible Church, where the Sunday morning message is broadcast live.